is Heavenly Gospels Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Pastor Corey has a brand new series, Rehab Recovery. And today, his sermon title is Recovery from Setbacks. We hope you enjoy today's message. I have a word for us this morning. I hope y'all are ready for it. I'm starting a new series entitled Recovery Rehab, Strategies for Recovery. And this morning, I'm going to focus on this particular topic in our text this morning. is 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you have your Bibles, could you go with me to the word of God? 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We'll start at verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it reads, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it, with fire. And he had taken, and they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their son, and their their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Anuhim, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of the Nabal of the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because of the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I love it. Another translation says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, please bring me the ephod here to, to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail Recover all. Somebody say, I'm getting ready to recover all. Not just some of it, not just a portion, not just a refraction, but I'm getting ready to recover all. And for those who believe it, say yes. 
It is my assignment to teach and to preach from a subject titled this morning, Recovery from Setbacks. Recovery from Setbacks. You may be seated. Recovery from Setbacks. For it was Charles Swindoll who who stated, and I quote, that I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% how you respond to it. That family, the truth of the matter is that life happens to every one of us. And this year has been marked by life happening. Can I get a witness? That there is no avoiding it, but the primary thing that that you and I have control over when life does happen, it is your response to what life brings you. And and very often we, we find ourselves sulking and depressed and in cycles over what has happened instead of saying, God, if you allow this thing to happen, it must be for a reason. And I I want us to shift our perspective and realize that whatever may be on the table of your life, God saw it coming before it got there. I, I want you to understand that the storm, your, your struggle, your, your setback, that, that it may have surprised you, but it did not surprise God. And he put enough in you to get for you to get through it. But the question is, do you really want to get over it? And do you really want to be move forward? Or are you happy playing the victim? And sitting there and what he wants to bring you out of. Because here it is, family. There are some people who really don't want assistance. They just want attention. Good God Almighty. There are some people who really don't want help. They just want handouts. But there are some people who have, who have made up in their mind, I refuse to play the victim. Yes, this may have hurt me. Yes, this may have pained me. Yes, this may have set me back, but I refuse to stay where I am, but I'm getting ready to bounce back. And I'm just wondering, am I talking to anybody in here or online that says I refuse to allow what has happened to me to define the rest of my year, but as long as I got breath in my body, I can and I will bounce back. Somebody holler at your boy and say, I'm going to bounce back. I don't care how rough this year has been. I don't care what has happened. I don't care how much pain I've had to experience. As long as I got breath, I got purpose. And that means that God is not through with me yet. So as long as he keeps giving me breath in this body, I will bounce back. Y'all going to help me preach this morning. And in our text this morning, we're, we're going to learn 
from the character by the name of David on exactly how we can recover from setbacks. <laughs> how we can bounce back when life has happened. David in 1 Samuel 30, he has been anointed king, but he finds himself on the run from the current king named Saul. He was settled in what was really enemy territory called Ziglag. In fact, in 1 Samuel 29, where David and his men went to the Philistines, they sought alliance with them from Saul because Saul was constantly and continuously trying to kill them. And the commander of the Philistine army, Achish, told David, he said, look, we have no problem with you. We have no beef with you, David. You can settle right here in Ziglag. So Ziglag, hear me, family, was finally the place where they could rest on the run from Saul. Ziglag, it, it represented a place where they can finally catch their breath. But as they were on their way home, approaching Ziglag, they smelled smoke. They, 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 they saw fire. And as they got closer, they realized that their families and their women and their wives and their children had been taken. And not only has their family been taken, but their possessions and their livestock and their resources have been stolen. And right when they got to a place where they had finally caught their breath, here comes another blow that takes their breath away. As soon as they got to a place where they could catch a breather, here it is, something else happening in life to take their breath. I don't know about you, but have you ever got to a place in life where you got to a point where you can finally catch your breath? And the minute you got to the place of where you could finally catch your breath, something else happened. I come to talk to the real people. If you got it all together, I'm not talking to you today, but I come to talk to some real folk. Have you ever got to a place where you had just got a, to a comfortable place, a rest in the minute? minute you lay down your head, the minute you got nice and comfortable, something else happened. My parents put it like this. Maybe you'll get it this way. If it ain't one thing, it's another. And, and sometimes in this year, it's been one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. And you're wondering, Lord, when will you make it? Stop. Can I talk to some real people in here that say, Pastor, I'm right there with you. This ain't been all hallmark cards and roses, but it's been one thing after another. As soon as I got that together, that started acting up. As soon as I got this side of together, my children started acting up. But you got to understand that as long as the breath in your body, you can recover. Somebody say recover. Recovery is on the way. <laughs> and I want you to look at the text because the text gives us uh, some principles on exactly how to handle it. Look how they responded. Verse 4 says, then David and the people 
who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They, they wept, which is a, a human emotional response, to, especially to a situation like this. Let me come home and find my, my house burnt. Let me come home and find my children and my wife gone. Oh, I'm a cry. Yeah. I, I, I hope some of you will cry for your spouses. I don't know. I got I don't know which type of crowd. Some of you. I hope you're gonna cry. <laughs> I remember my granddad passed away. I remember before my granddad passed away, he used to tell me, he said, Corey, when people go to my funeral and they crying and carrying on, he said, don't shut them up. Let them cry. He said, in fact, if they try to hop in the casket, let them. He said, because I want to be missed. He said, I, I, I need the emotion. I, I need, to see, I need to know that people have cried when I'm gone. The text says that David and these men wept. But here's my first point in principle for recovery. That if you're going to recover at some point, watch this. If you, you have to pause the tears. Write that down. And if you're not taking notes, you have to pause the tears. The text says they wept until. There is nothing wrong with crying about it. But the question happens to be, what are you going to do once the crying is over? There has to be an until where your tear ducts dry up. And you've called everybody you could call. That you've talked to the pastor. You've talked to the mentor. You've talked to your mama and them. You've talked to your BFF. You've talked to your boo and given them the story about what you've been through. But here's the question. When there are no more tears to cry, what are you going to do about it? That sooner or later, you have to realize your tears are not going to fix whatever place you find yourself in. But at some point, you got to wipe your tears. You got to get out that bed. You got to take that shower. You got to put on that makeup. I'm coming down your road. You got to put on those eyelashes. You got to contour your face. You got to get your hair done. Come 
coming in the morning. Would you look at your neighbor and say, joy is on the way. Come on and declare joy is on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This won't define the rest of my life. This won't define the rest of my year. I've cried, but now I got to do something about it. <laughs> Jesus, help me up in here. Yes, the boss, he the boss, hold about now, yeah, kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. You won't spend the rest of this year depressed. You won't spend the rest of this year lonely. You won't spend the rest of this year crying about it. But there comes a time when your God is he'll take you from crying about it to praising him for it. That the fact that he kept you, even though it happened. Am I talking to anybody here? That God kept you in the midst of your tears. He kept you in the midst of your pain. He kept you in the midst of your crisis. Is there anybody <laughs> He kept me. Oh, God. I'm talking to some painfully purposed people. My life ain't been all good in Hallmark cards. It's, I, I've had to endure some pain. I've had to endure some setbacks. But the one thing I did not lose is my praise. Somebody say joy is coming back. They wept until there has to come a moment where we pause the tears, and it has to be an until moment that, that we walk into if we're ever going to get to recovery. And, and they got done weeping. And watch this, the text says in verse 6, now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved and every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself. <laughs> he encouraged himself. Watch this. In the Lord. Now, now that their tear ducts have dried up. These men who had been fighting with David for some time now wanted to kill him because of their grief. Because when you're in pain and experience loss, the first thing that you want to do is point the finger. <laughs> And that, that's what we do when we, we experience grief or loss or pain. The first we want to do is point finger as to the blame of who let it happen. That, that sometimes that, that we, we, we blame God and ask, how could you let this happen? <laughs> we, we blame people because the truth of the matter is it's easier to point the finger than it is to pray. But David 
He did something that brings me to my second point that if we're going to recover, write this down. You got to persist without assistance. (laughs) You got to learn how to persist without assistance. When we look at the text in verse six, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. That if you're going to recover, you can't always count on people helping you. Ah. Ah. You you can't count on others stepping up to the plate, sending you a text or giving you a call that you so desperately need. And what I've discovered about other people's assistance that, that when it comes to other people's assistance, that, that it wasn't even you that offered the help in the first place. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. That, uh, that many of the times when it comes to the help, they offered it. And now that you need the help, they're nowhere to be found. That if you were going to offer the help, at least you can do what you said that you were going to do. That I didn't force you. I didn't manipulate you. I didn't even ask for it. You offered it. So now that I need it, you're nowhere to be found. But instead of relying on someone to encourage David, watch this. Instead of waiting for others to supply what he needed, the text don't even say God encouraged David. The text says David encouraged himself. David said, when it comes to this situation, I'm not even waiting on God to do this. That I'm going to do this myself. And David said, self, we going to make it. David looked at himself and said, self, I know it don't look good right now. But self, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. David said, self, I know it may have hurt us. I know we may have lost greatly. But we shall recover. Ah, why don't you high five yourself and say, self, we're going to be all right. Sometimes you got to be your own cheerleading squad. Sometimes you got to pull out your pom-poms and encourage yourself and say, C-O-R-E. Why? I'll spell my own name. I'll buy my own birthday cake. I'll take myself out to the movies. I'll celebrate myself. I'll encourage myself. You better stop looking to others to give what God has already put in you to give yourself. In this theme, it continued. Because if you read the text, the Bible says that the Lord answered David. And he said, go after them, for you shall surely recover. Oh, David, he said, that's all I needed was a word. He said, all I needed was a word. I come to ask somebody. I know you got money. I know you got friends. I know you got things. I know you got clothes and you look real good. But do you got a word? Because there are going to come seasons of your life where money going to dry up. Y'all ain't talking to me, okay? 
So y'all, y'all been eating good all your whole life. <laughs> okay, let me put it where there's gonna come a time when you gotta eat ramen noodles and <laughs> see, we done got bougie. We done got bougie. Y'all done, y'all done gave up all the struggle meals. I'll still pull out a peanut butter and jelly and It's wheat bread. I got my diet change. I'll still pull it out. (laughs) He he has a word to show us that sometimes all you need is a word. I, I don't need your approval because I got a word. See, this is why it's important not to live by people's approval because if you live by their approval, you'll die by their criticism. So you're living your based off what comes out of others' mouth instead of what comes out of God's mouth. And God will allow some things for you to lose some things in some season so that you can reset your ear from their ear to his ear. David, he gets... A word. He says, go pursue. And when he gets the word, him and 600 men begin pursuing. (laughs) They begin going after it. But if you continue reading the text, the text says in verse 10, when they get to a place called Besor, there were 200 men who were with them that could not continue to pursue, watch this, because they were fatigued. They were tired. Now, people have preached this before and have shunned the 200, but if you really understand their story, they should be tired. They had just got done traveling ways and miles and had to all travel all the way back. The text says it was probably some 16 miles. Not that they drove. We got cars. They had to walk. Some of us, we can't even walk a mile. <laughs> I, I told Chance the other day when I was dropping off gas, she was like, Pastor, I've been, I've been doing this and I've been trying to give them, I've been eating this. And I said, you always been kind of skinny. She says, watch this. I, I'm skinny, but I'm not healthy. She says, if I was to run right up that sidewalk right there, I'll be out of breath. And some of us will be like her. <laughs> After a mile, tired. Here it is. These men get to bay sore and they're tired. And David does something critical. He does not beg them to go. He does not even drag them across the basore. But he says, if you do not have enough strength, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But I'm going to leave you right where you're at. See, some people, when you're getting ready to recover, when you're trying to get to where God is taking you, you got to learn how to leave them where they're at. And it's not because they're bad. They're just bad for you. And you're constantly 
constantly trying to drag people to where God is telling you to go, but this is a season God told me to tell you where your dragging season is over. This is your season where you're not going to have to drag people to where God wants to take you. But here it is. He's going to send everybody you need right when you need it at the right time. And you ain't got to beg for them to go. They will come willingly and say, I'll go with you and I'll follow you wherever the Lord is taking you. And you got to learn how to get to a place a word you say your help is 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 welcome but it's not necessary <laughs> you got to get to a place where you say your help is welcome but it's not necessary that I'll do it all by myself he says I'll do it all by myself <laughs> I'll take the 400 I'm not going to make nobody Come and help me to where God is taking me. I'm not going to put more energy in this relationship than you are. I'll text you, but you're going to get one text. I ain't texting you back. I ain't going to be calling. I'm talking to somebody. I ain't going to be calling you, chasing you down. No, no, no. If, you, if you're going to be with me, you're going to have to come and get me and go where God is taking me. Because my drag and season is over. You sitting up here, you dating somebody right now, you trying to drag them to church. You need to leave them. Yeah. You can't you can't get to where God is taking you because you're still dragging. And I'm wondering you, I wonder how many of you, you're not to the place where God wants you to be. Not because he didn't design it for you, because you got too much stuff in your hands. You got too many people you're trying to carry. And you're wondering, Lord, when you're going to make this low lighter. He's saying to you, I didn't desire for you to carry that in the first place. Too many times we pick up things and want God to co-sign it after we picked it up instead of talking to him and asking him, should I have it in my hands in the first place? <laughs> I'm talking good in here. I ain't preached in two, two or three months. Y'all getting it all. <laughs> he says, I'm not going to drag you. I'm not going to put you down because you're just exhausted. You're supposed to be exhausted. But if God told me you to recover, that means he already intended me to recover with the 400. So he takes the 400. And when I looked at the text, this is my last point, that if you're going to recover, that's, that, that you're going to have to learn how to do, you're going to have to learn how to pursue with pain. <laughs> Hear me out. You're going to have to learn how to pursue with pain. When I looked at the text, the Bible says that God told David that he shall pursue and that he shall recover but I noticed something interesting about the text. 
he didn't tell David where to pursue or when they would recover. It's one thing to know that you're going to recover, but it's another thing to know when you're going to recover it. So David has to deal with the pain of uncertainty. He has to lead men that still got questions about their wives and their children. And he has to lead men that are painfully pursuing. I'm done. When, when I was in the hospital, I had my surgery and I was in the ICU recovering. They, they had me hooked up to all types of stuff, Brother Billy had tubes in me and had, I had IV in my arm and an IV in my neck. Uh-huh. Like, why well, I got to have all these IVs? Like, <laughs> come on, like, just, yeah, just, you already got one in me, like, dog, help me. <laughs> all right, I, I, my baby talking. <laughs> she said, they are. Um, got to a point after a day or so, um, they pulled the, the ventilator out that was helping me breathe, uh, after I been off the, uh, anesthesia and they took that out and I was recovering. I was always asking for the pain medication because recovery is painful. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, recovery is painful. And while I'm sitting in the bed and, you know, watching TV, my doctor comes in one day and says, you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready to go back to sleep. Could you, could you bring me some more medication? He said, no, 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 no. He said, are you ready to sit up and eat your breakfast? Because after you, you sit up and eat your breakfast, you got to go walking one time around the area. I, I said, Doc, what, 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 what you mean? I said, Doc, you got two tubes still stuck in me. I got an IV in my arm, in my neck. And you mean to tell me, you want me to sit up? Matter of fact, I'll sit up. Let me raise my bed up. He said, no, you got to get out of bed. He said, you got to get up out of bed. You have to sit up, eat your breakfast. And then after you eat your breakfast, you got to get up and start walking. I I said, but I'm still in pain. He said, that's how you recover. He said, If you wait to start walking before the pain is gone, you'll never recover. But the key to recovery is while you're yet in pain, is to get up. Put one foot in front of the other. At your pace, at your rate, walk while you're in pain. And I come to preach to somebody as the doctor to me, no matter how painful lights get, you gotta learn how to keep walking. That if you keep walking, God says you'll get to a place and to a point of recovery.
glory. Am I talking to any purpose of people? I come to talk to somebody that say this year has been a year of pain, but I have made up in my mind. I'm going to keep walking. Why don't you stand up on your feet and move your two feet and say, Pastor, you're talking to me because I've endured a breakup. I might have endured a layoff. I may have lost a loved one, but I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to keep on walking. Yes, Listen here. Why? Why? And here is the miracle in the text. The Bible says in verse 18, Dad, that David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Y'all miss your shout right there. The Bible says that David, he recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. This is why you got to keep walking, because the enemy, when he had your stuff, he should have killed it. He should have destroyed it. David, whenever he went to the Amalekites, his wife and his children, they could have been dead. But when he went there, they were still alive. I come to tell you, you got to keep walking because your dream is still alive. Your purpose is still alive. Your children is still alive. That you still got too much to live for. That you still got too much in front of you. Somebody say you're still alive, it's still alive, it's still alive, it's still alive. The enemy, he should have killed it, he, he should have destroyed it, he should have made, he should have had his head, but it's still alive. It's still alive. You got too much to live for. You still got purpose ahead of you. You still got that book you haven't written yet. You still got that ministry you ain't birthed yet. You got to keep walking because it's still alive and it belongs to you. You got to have a mindset of recovery that belonged to me. See, see, some of us, we real hood in, in, in the physical, but we not hood at all in the spiritual. Somebody run up on you right now and take your wallet. You're going to act a fool. I know what type of church I'm pastoring. Yes. You're act a fool. Like, is that what's the name? Take her earrings off. Yeah, it's all Liz. I didn't know she could fight like that. Okay, y'all, somebody mess with your kids. Try to take your, take your kids. 
we're going to see another side. But when the enemy comes in the supernatural and takes your stuff, you want to act all depressed and passive. Where's the same hood spirit? I don't care what form you come in. You come in a physical form or a spiritual form. If it got my name on it, if it belonged to me, I'm going to get it back. I was in recovery. I had crying days, but I had an until. I mean, I, mean, I ugly cried. Y'all know the ugly cry. <laughs> just it's not just <laughs> they knocking on the door. Like, Hold up. I'm in the bedroom. <laughs> but I had an until. <laughs> I know I'm in pain. But I ain't seen all God showed me yet. I got to keep living. I told Renee I got too much to live for. And I kept putting one foot in front of the other, have another heart attack, cross some more, recover, pain, because I got too much to live for. And the Bible says that after they recovered, everything in some, and I'm done. The Bible says they got back to the 200 men who didn't go with them. And the men were like, nah, y'all didn't fight for this, so y'all not getting the spoils of what we fought for. But David said, no, we're going to share in the spoils. Watch this. Because recovery ain't just about you. It's about somebody else. We're standing all over the house and we're finna pray. The reason why you have to recover, because recovery ain't so that you can just get better. Recovery is, is, is for so someone else can get better. You have children that is depending on your recovery. You, you got family members that's riding on your recovery. You got co-workers that are, that are riding on your recovery. Somebody say, I'm, I'm going to recover. That it was a setback, but God was setting you up for an awesome comeback. <laughs> God told me to tell you that, that you were like the bow, the arrow in the bow. And you thought that you were being pulled back because life was just happening. But God says, even with life happening, I was pulling you back so I can launch you forward further. And you're getting ready to go further and faster than you've ever been before. That God in these next three months, he's getting ready 
to do something so supernatural. He's getting ready to do something so great that the, that the several months before are going to pale in comparison to what he's getting ready to do within this three months. If you believe it, go ahead, put those hands together. So if you're here, lift your, your hands. If you're online, I want to pray this prayer with you. Father, I thank you for this word that you've given this house this day. For surely we shall recover all. Father, that you would give us the grace to pause the tears and to help dry the tears and that you will give us the energy and strategies to move forward and what you've called us to do. Father, I pray, God, that that whether we have assistance or not, God, that we will go after the things that you've called us to. And Father, that despite the pain that we might feel, that we will have a mentality that causes us to pursue despite the pain. Father, we thank you for recovery that this month, God, that marriages are getting ready to be recovered, Father. Father, I thank you that in this month, God, that focus is getting ready to be recovered. God, I thank you that in this month, dignity is getting ready to be recovered, Father, that in this month, self-esteem is getting ready to be recovered. Father, I thank you even now, God, that money and finances are getting ready to be recovered, Father. Father, we praise you because even our children are getting ready to be recovered. Father, I thank you, Lord, for recovery, God. And I don't have to wait until we have it, but I won't wait till the battle is over. I can shout now because you said in your word that you've already declared it and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. For all the recovered people, you may have been your mind, Pastor, I'm with you and I believe it by faith. Why don't you lift up your voice? And give praise to the Lord your God. Come on, give praise to the Lord your God. Don't wait till the battle is over. Don't wait till the battle is over. Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout. Come on and shout like your children depend on it. Shout like your job depends on it. Shout like your co-worker depends on it. Shout with the voice of triumph. And you start talking back. And you say, 
of the song for the rest of your year. I want so bad to pray for you, but I'm glad because in this text, nobody prayed for David. He prayed himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I'm preaching this text in social distancing and in pandemic like I am because we got to really walk out the text for ourselves. Sometimes you got to sing a song over yourself. Sometimes you got to praise to God for yourself. Sometimes you got to lay hands on yourself and declare over your life. I shall recover. Come on, once you lay your hands on your heart. believe, why don't you put those blessed hands together? Real quickly. You're getting ready to recover. I'm trying to move, but I feel the spirit of the Lord moving in your heart. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. We hope you really enjoyed today's message. If you did, here's your opportunity to partner with us on today. You can partner by giving via Cash App, dollar sign, Heavenly Gospel Church, or go to hglovespeople.com, press the give button and give whatever amount that you would love to give on today. Again, be blessed and thank you for tuning in.